You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Fair warning. You're probably going to hear a couple of loud beeps in the background. I'm just going to let you know about that. It is uh, another late Saturday night. I am covered with uh, bandages. My arm is wrapped and I've got an ice pack on my neck. I'm laying down and I still have to do laundry because life life continues. Um, this past week was a really fun week over at uh, the gym training jiu-jitsu with my fellow students. But on Wednesday, I decided, you know what I'm going to do because I'm feeling cocky. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go and roll with, a, I think he's a blue belt. Yeah, I, I think he was a blue belt doing it for 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 a minute and uh i'm like you know this guy he needs a partner i need a partner i haven't rolled with him before let's go ahead and give it a go so um one of the rules for when you're just doing basic rolling is don't immediately like jump in the full intensity kind of match where your opponent is but start off kind of slow kind of read things before you start trying to you know pin the other person I guess I must have just gone in like a hurricane because within like two seconds the dude took me apart like Legos, and uh, I should you not. At one point he had me in in an Americana, and uh, I actually screamed and like I <laughs> I probably should have stopped, but I I kept going. So I tapped out. I took a minute. I'm I'm feeling like. Uh, like a lot of pain in my left shoulder, not the right one where I've always had issues. But I go in, and the and, and the nice dude continued to take me apart like Legos. I think I had it coming. But uh, the next morning, I actually texted a friend of mine, who's my <laughs> a friend of mine at work, who's actually my emergency contact in case something bad happens during a during a training. And you know, I was working from home that day. I, I texted her, and I'm like, hey. Uh, you have sons, right? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, your, your boys, have they ever broken a limb? And she's like, well, I mean, not, not really. I mean, they do sports stuff, but they never like broken a bone. I'm like, okay. So like, if you like broke an arm or something, you would know, right? And I'm saying that like in, in full seriousness, because I hadn't been able to sleep that night. I had elevated ice, took a bunch of ibuprofen and stuff. And like, it was rough. I've still had a hard time uh, moving both my arms a- outward 
uh, since then. I mean, side side to side, primarily, like it still go forward, but like lifting, opening doors, like it's been a really rough week. And she was like, "Why, why don't you go get an X-ray?" And I'm like, "Because I." Also, just don't want to have to go through that. It's probably a bad sprain. And it turned out just to be a bad sprain. But, like, my gosh, I, I, I went to Clatch the next day. And then I went to work Friday. And um, today, Saturday, time of recording, I, I went on a pretty long hike. So, like, I've tried to not just jump back into doing that. I mean, I, I did roll and do a full class Thursday. But I was a little bit more apprehensive about doing stuff on my left side. And then today it was just it was just cardio, enjoying nature. But uh, I I don't say this to draw sympathy or to make an excuse. I, I'm proud of these things. Now I, I know I joke a lot on like Twitter, for example. On Twitter I, I talked about you know what it's like to you know have my neck cracked during a session. And for those of you that have been long time on the run listeners, you know that I have uh, I have severe chronic pain and uh, it's rooted in a nerve in my shoulder. And because of that, it also impacts my neck. My neck is remarkably better than where it was a few weeks ago, especially over the last month and a half since I've been seeing a chiropractor as well as, you know, doing jujitsu. But, uh, you know, I, I joke about, you know, like when somebody cracks my neck and it feels good and they're like, hey, are you OK? And I'm like, no, keep doing what you're doing. Choke me. <laughs> it's it, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying those things to draw sympathy. I'm not trying to play the victim card. I'm genuinely actually really proud of these moments. Uh, a few weeks ago, I re- like I don't know what happened to my right hand, but my right hand after a class swelled up like a baseball glove. It was really, really freaky. So, so to get some compression on there, I had it bandaged, had a cut on my face. Ironically, I decided to go to work in the hoodie. So everyone looked at me and they're like, "Man, you look like you just fought like behind the building or something." And it's one of those things where it's like you know I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm getting healthier. I'm getting in better shape. I'm doing a combat sport. Um, you know, all these things, despite the fact that, uh, it's only been a couple of months now I'm, I'm enjoying it. And the thing about jujitsu versus other sports is that it, it takes longer to get rank. It takes longer to learn more stuff. And every class you have to roll, you have to go up against somebody and, um, you know, the, the injuries persist. I've had to tape my fingers. I've had to get stuff to prevent cauliflower ear. I mean, my all my joints are just like they're super loud. Like I always had like noisy knees and stuff like that. But like all my joints are just like firecrackers throughout the day. And I love it. I love all of this because every time I go, I get better and I learn something new and I notice and the people I go against notice and my instructors notice. And it's, it's great because I still remember what it was like when I went in and I didn't even take part in a class the first time I just sat and watched people. And I was like, how can I ever do this? And you know, my first class, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I just got like thrown around like a rag doll. I still kind of am, but like, at least now I put up some resistance. I've learned a few cool moves, but, um, yeah, I mean, to, to go out and do this, like I haven't found a, a home church yet, for example. I have I've I've wanted to go to church, but it just gets to the point where when you're going from one church to another, you just get so exhausted with the constant introductions and the constant new person thing, and it's always very overwhelming. And I, I've got a degree of social anxiety, so constantly going to new places and being the person who's the outlier is extremely difficult. And what I do like about 
um, you know, going to the school was that I'd done enough research beforehand. I knew I was going to sign up for this place. I kind of just got into it. And, um, you know, you learn a lot about people when they're uh, all up in your space and stuff and all sweaty and stuff like that. And you've got to, you know, get into a simulated murder situation of these folks. I mean, for me, it's how I meet people. It's how I make friends. It's how you get to know people. Uh, men, as I said a couple weeks ago on, on an episode, men communicate shoulder to shoulder and men communicate face to face. I, I, I do strongly believe that. And, um, you know, it was, it was over, it was a little overwhelming. It was a little intimidating. I felt like the first kid at a new school, I felt like the new, I felt like the new kid on the first day of school, not knowing anybody, but it's, it's been a great environment and I really do like the school. But, um, you know, like those moments like that, like I I'm, I'm 26. I live on my own. I pay my own bills. No one told me to do this. It's not like when you're a kid and it's like, you're doing soccer this season or something like that. Like no one told me to do this. No one really gives me big advice anymore. I did this because there was a part of me that really wanted to do it. And I've talked about it in enough episodes. I won't go into it again, but it, it was another like leaving the Shire moment. I'm, I'm going to use that term a lot, leaving the Shire. Because what I did was I, I saw a, a conflict in my life and I left from the point of familiarity where the conflict is my health, some of my fears, and this desire to do something crazy cool again like I used to. And I'm leaving this environment of comfort and familiarity in a very safe environment and routine. And I'm leaving that to go slay dragons. And who are the dragons in the situation? The dragons are my own fears and my own challenges. So now I'm on the journey to address those. And each time I go, I, I slay some of those dragons. And I'm taking another step forward. And sometimes I fumble. There are days where, you know, a couple weeks ago, I, I was... I was in a lot of pain, not as much pain as I am now, ironically, but this is like probably my first week. And I said, you know, I did enough. I'm not going to the fundamentals class I need to go to on Sunday. And I woke up and I woke up about an hour and a half before the class was started. The school's less than 10 minutes away from me. I just said, oh, you know, I, I, I feel like shit. I should probably rest. I might injure myself. But the truth was, yeah, I was hurt. But like, you know, Am I going to do this for each time I get hurt? Am I going to do this for each class? And let, you know, unless something is like super serious, then I'll take a break or something. But like, am I going to keep doing this? And when I looked at the class uh, on the clock and I saw that class had started at at the academy, at the gym, you know, part of me felt kind of like I I was I was my worst enemy. I was telling myself, oh, you're too broken. Oh, you're not in better shape enough. Oh, you're, you're cowardly. Why aren't you going? And I felt guilty until the next day. And I, I went to class Monday and, uh, you know, I, I went to the rest of the classes the rest of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, um, you know, I just kept thinking about that. It's like, you know, when I'm here, even when things are tough, even when I can't keep up with something, like I still do it and I have a good time and I always feel better afterwards than when I walked in. And it's the most exciting part of my week. But that apprehension, that that part of me that was like, no, you're 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 gonna get hurt. That fear, that negative self talk, um, you know, it, it it did get into me that Sunday morning. So all, all of this to say, I, I want to talk about something that has been a overarching theme the last couple months here on the run, and we even talk about it a lot over at the Second Print Comics podcast, which is the podcast I do with my friend Mark Clare 
on Wednesdays, you can go ahead and check out Second Print Comics out now if you're interested in that. It's this idea of the hero's journey. And I actually went on, a, on another podcast in July to talk about the hero's journey and the victim's journey, um, how they're conflicting and how the victim's journey is trying to replace the hero's journey. And a lot of people listen to that and a lot of people – when they spoke with me and when they speak with Mark, a lot of folks have been talking about that idea, about that theme. And uh, I did not create the term The Villain's Journey. I think it was um, the, the the dude from the Nerdrotic YouTube channel who talks about comics and movies, stuff like that, uh, Gary. I think Gary did an episode of Nerdrotic where he mentioned The Victim's Journey. And I just kind of ran with it. But what's funny is a lot of you, a lot more people around me have heard about The Victim's Journey from me. And, you know, The Victim's Journey, sum it up, it's the antithesis of The Hero's Journey. So let's give a quick rundown of The Hero's Journey for people that don't know what we're talking about. The Hero's Journey, um, as spoken about primarily by Joseph Campbell, who wrote the book The Hero of a Thousand Faces or something like that, he basically said that the hero's journey is in basically every story ever told but is a primary uh, structure for Western canon. And basically the hero's journey is the hero starts in a place of familiarity and then the hero faces a conflict or challenge and he must leave that place of familiarity to go on a journey. He confronts the challenge, uh, he faces it, in some way, and then the hero falls, um, and then the hero has to make a decision. So then the hero goes and he faces the conflict or challenge, and he overcomes it. And as he's coming after that, we begin to learn how how the journey and how the struggle and how the victory has changed who the hero is. And then the hero goes back to what is whatever normal is or that place of familiarity, whether it be a state of mind or a physical location or place. And uh, while that has pretty much stayed the same or been slightly impacted, um, we basically begin to see how the hero himself is different. He is a completely different person, hopefully a better person than how he was because he allowed the journey to change him and he made ultimately the the better decisions, he or she, whatever. That's the hero. That's the hero's journey. Now, the victim's journey is different. The victim's journey is the victim has always been a victim. It's not their fault. Um, Things outside of their control have labeled them a victim. And basically, through the victim's journey, the victim goes through a series where basically the victim tears down everything around them, whether good or bad, that does not actively go out of its way to make things better for the victim. So whether people were part of the problem that were causing this or not, everybody who is not actively doing something to immediately make the victim's circumstances or life better are the conflict. So then the victim goes ahead and has to tear down the conflicts. And through that, when the victim gets to the point of facing the challenge or conflict, the victim doesn't change. The victim changes – oops, there's the bell. The victim changes the landscape and environment around them to basically validate that the victim was never a victim and that the victim is not just a you know a, a better person than everyone else but a superior person to the antagonist and even to allies or other heroes. 
So then the victim basically then goes on a spree of forcing people to basically accept that the, the victim is a victim and that they were all the problem and that the victim is now the morally superior one. So then at the very end, the victim is just validated in their own self-loathing and their own rejection of everything else, good or bad. And now the entire environment and place of familiarity around them has to change to not only accept the existence of the victim, but to prop up the victim as the superior. Um, so that's that's the victim's journey. And as you can hear, that's that's so different because the victim isn't a hero. The victim isn't even you know just morally neutral. In many ways, I would argue that the that the victim is a villain, except the difference between like a victim's journey and a villain's journey, it's, it's, I would almost argue it's context because what you can say is that you just take out victim and you replace it with villain. And that's basically where, where they all start. All villains start from the point of a, of a moment in time where they were victims of something and they allow that to become their identity and now they are lashing out at everybody else in order to change the world in their image. I don't know why we don't call it the villain's journey. Actually, I take it back. I do know why. It's because the victims are the true villain when they try and change everything around them but have to tear down good people in order to get that world that they want. So where does that leave us? The thing I really want to focus on on that hero's journey is the Shire. And, um, you know, I, I'm pulling a Lord of the Rings reference because uh, I remember sitting in the theaters watching The Fellowship of the Ring with my father as a kid. And I remember that part where they're going through the one farmer's farm. And Sam is like, wait, if I take one more step, this will be the farthest from the Shire I've ever been. And, and that's a key moment because this is the part of not only uh, Frodo's journey, but Sam's journey. In many ways, Sam is the grander hero um, between the two of them throughout the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it's that moment where Samwise Gamgee is making it very, very clear. Once we leave Hobbiton, once we leave the Shire, nothing is going to be the same. And even if we come back, you know, our lives will be different. It's amazing how that moment stuck with me throughout my entire life. And, you know, I think everyone, if you can apply the hero's journey to your life, I think you could see where you are right now because we're in a constant state of growth. Life is a million journeys if you view it that way. And I have had moments where I've had to leave the Shire countless times. The biggest one in my life was when I graduated high school and I went off to join the army and then go to college and everything. More recently, I found myself in, in another more literal position where I left Virginia, where I had lived for um, a decade, and I moved out to Wisconsin, the Midwest. Uh, a literal journey. And for the most part, like I knew where I was going. I came here for work, but I came here with no – there's the other belt – I came here with no social network. I came here with no real professional network. Uh, I didn't even know where to go get my groceries when I moved in. I knew nothing. And even for the most part, I still know very little. 
But you know, through 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 this process of getting accustomed here and trying to assimilate here and trying to, you know, encounter and embrace new things and seek new adventure, you know, like jujitsu has been part of that. Because while I was here, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna try new things. I'm gonna try and make friends. I'm gonna try and you know get healthier, feel that you know dangerousness I used to feel uh, when I was younger and stuff like that. So for the most part, this is also part of that process in which I'm still expanding my world beyond the Shire. I go somewhere intimidating. I'm going on an adventure to somewhere I've never been before. You something I've never really done before with people I've never met before. And it's literally dangerous in some situations. So like I am, I myself am in the process of encountering challenges because I'm leaving the places of familiarity. Instead of staying in my apartment and my little apartment's gym and stuff like that, instead of just doing the basic stuff, I've decided to take a radical step back into combat sports. So, you know, this is something that is is important for the hero to grow because without leaving the Shire, without leaving that place of comfort and familiarity, um, there, there is nothing else after that. You, you just stay there. Uh, some, some friends of mine got me into watching those uh, Doomer cartoons of like Wojak and stuff like that. And what I find is really funny about those is that they're actually very, very enlightening social commentary about the state of men who, you know, sometimes we call them incels. Or I, I, I grew up, they were just called losers. Um, you know, these people who, you know, they just stay around, they're barely employed, they feel like life is moving past them. And I actually find it really sad because I read the comments for those and a lot of people identify with the state of those um, skits, let's call them those little Wojak skits. And, and what I've noticed between all of them is that they see these people and they feel the world is passing them by. But the big difference is like the Chads, for example, the Chad meme, you probably know the difference between Wojak and Chad is that Chad left the Shire. You might not want to think that Chad left the Shire, but Chad left the Shire and Wojak didn't. So if, if that applies a little bit more context, I, I hope it makes sense. But, you know, I, I apply it to people around me I know. I know people back home who complain about their lives and that they see the problem and they want to do things. But the issue is they fear the journey for fear of failure. And they would rather live in a state of discomfort and sadness because it's familiar and they've accepted it and they are familiar with it, then go on the journey where the odds are not guaranteed. And what I see them do is when they get into something new, when they get into a new hobby or to a new social group, that even then some would say, oh, they're leaving the Shire. They're trying something new. But it's almost all in cases where they control the circumstances and the outcomes to constantly deliver the results they want. They go and meet in new groups or do something that's different, but ultimately it's still completely in their control. There's no obligations. There's no risk. The comfort is there. The the, the dopamine they get from you know knowing that they're going to get exactly what they want and that there is no challenge or struggle or discomfort, that's still the place of familiarity. The journey is uncomfortable. Feeling like shit because a dude completely you know armbars you is uncomfortable. Going to a new place, starting a new job in somewhere foreign is uncomfortable. 
going and encountering a very difficult goal that requires a lot of, you know, sweat equity, sacrifice, blood, sweat, tears, all that shit is uncomfortable. The journey is not meant to be comfortable. And that's the difference between the hero and the victim. The hero encounters and embraces the difficulty. The victim makes everyone around them feel worse. The victim conforms everyone around them to take a journey that they themselves will not go on. I was talking to a, to a friend at a, at a watch party for the Badger game uh, over the weekend, and we were talking about a good mutual friend. He, he's significantly younger than us. He, he's a working professional, but he's young. And, um, you know, there's a person that we think has great potential, but they want to go ahead and stay in, in their town, going to college where they grew up and is working where they grew up and has no, no desire to leave. And the problem is for this person to accomplish a lot of the things that they themselves openly display a desire for and openly talk about wanting to achieve – this person has to leave where they're at and go to work in D.C. because this person wants to work in policy. Now, we're not saying work there, stay there forever, never leave, focus on federal shit forever. No one is saying that. What we're saying, though, is for you to be taken seriously in the field of what it is you're doing, which is policy, you have to go there at some point. It's a it's like what we discussed a few weeks ago. It's a rite of passage. Everyone in politics who's going to have a future in this field, regardless of what they're specifically working on or working towards, has to go to has to go do time in D.C. You got to understand how things work within the swamp. You have to go expand your network. You've got to go jump somewhere big and prestigious that has uh, some gravitas to its name. You got to go work those hard nights. You got to go ahead and show that when we throw you into the deep end, you'll come back a changed and better person. And it's like that for any other career field. Um, we can all think of maybe a course or a school or an event or a competition or something where if you want to achieve big things, you cannot go around it. You have to face it. And that it's scary and it's tough. But the only way to get to Mordor is to leave the Shire. And this person has made every excuse not to leave the Shire. Um, I, I see this with, uh, with, with a lot of people when, whenever I go back to Virginia. They refuse to leave the Shire, especially when things are good, because then the question is, why should I change it? Um, you know. If you're happy with your money, if you're happy with your life, why, why do that? Um, I think in some cases, you know, if, if the choice is yours, if there's no real reason to do it, then maybe, you know, may, maybe that specific moment, if you want to get like super nitpicky about it, doesn't necessarily matter. What I will say is, here, here's one example I can give you of a person who the moment they stepped a foot outside the Shire immediately ran back and really fucked themselves. My dad is a graduate of the Army War College in Pennsylvania. The Army War College is a 
college where they go ahead and they send uh, high-ranking officers in the army, um, and you go ahead and do a few semesters there. Sometimes you could do it even you know virtually. My dad did like a semester online, and for some really important things, he physically went there because he was deployed at the time, and he was still able to do this. Um, so it's not one of those things where it's like you have to do it. It's like if you've been accepted for this, it's like – People have high aspirations for you and, um, you know, it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege and it's really like a classroom environment. It's not like, you know, ranger school or anything. Uh, but people do flunk out of these because there is, there is real work to do. So my father, I remember my, my father who's active army went there and he remembers this guy who showed up and he was, uh, he was from, the other end of the state, like two, three hours away. And, uh, he was a, he was a national guardsman and this is not going to make national guardsmen look good. And trust me, I I can say that because as a former national guardsman, I I look at this and I'm like, yeah, he's like the worst of us. But this guy who in his career had not deployed, had not really done much. And he did a lot of his army training and stuff prior to having a family and getting married. This guy grew up in the same town that he had always grown up in, he, he, he worked at a local business with his family and he lived on the same street as his parents and his in-laws. And, uh, you know, he had basically just planted roots where he had grown up and there's nothing wrong with that at all. The problem, though, is that this man got into such a state of comfort and such a state of familiarity that when it became time where it's like, OK, we there's the bell again. We need to – I have it on energy saver mode. Cut me some slack. There, there came a point where it's like, OK, we need you to go to this place again, the Army War College, because you're going to go ahead and get your degree. You would think that especially for somebody who, who is only three hours away from home, a couple months to go ahead and do something that's really going to highlight your career as an officer, like that, that shouldn't be a problem. You should be excited. This man after – uh, a couple of weeks dropped out of the Army War College. And the reason why was not because he wasn't doing well. In fact, he was at the top of the class at the time. The reason was he went to the dean of the school. And I don't know how he went back to his unit. I would have, if I was his battalion commander or something, I'd be like, you know, I, I don't know how he went back and dealt with this. But long story short, he told the dean, and you can quit. You can't quit. You can quit any of these courses, really. It doesn't make you look good, but like he he quit this, and this is like how? Come on, man! It, it's fucking school. So he goes to the dean, and he says, "It's really hard not having dinner with my family every night. I just want to go back and have dinner with my family every night." So he quits that and goes back. Okay. Like that's one of the most like cushy, you know, resume building opportunities ever. And you, 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 you threw it away because you couldn't go a couple more weeks without having dinner with your family. Um, you might think, Oh, well he really misses them. Or maybe, you know, everyone's different. It's like, I'm sorry. That that's weak bullshit behavior because what if that man had gotten deployed? You can't say, oh, you know, I, I can't go fight. I can't go do this. I mean, you're, you're a soldier. You should go fucking go do that. I, I want to go have dinner with my family. I can't fucking do that. What if he had to go TDY somewhere for a few weeks? 
What if he had to go take another course where he where the option of quitting is not available? If he's going to quit for small things because he's willing to sacrifice a great opportunity because he's, he, he cannot handle the idea of leaving the familiar, you know, leaving the Shire, then this person is not just a coward. This person is what holds others back. Imagine if there were others telling Frodo not to go, telling Sam, Sam, you got to tell Frodo not to go. And Sam, who are you to go? Like, you, you can't go either. Those are the people who hold other people back from leaving. Especially when you're encountering a moment where it's like you're going to, you know, achieve something like that. That it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I saw that a lot with college. People who had full scholarships, who had great opportunities, who couldn't couldn't fathom the idea of being away from their parents, couldn't fathom the idea of being away from their dog. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, rub rub dirt in your wound and draw fire. No. I I still have that. I miss my family every fucking day. I miss my cats and my dog every fucking day. I miss my fiance back in Maryland every fucking day. I miss my friends every fucking day. If you think a single fucking day goes by where I'm where it doesn't bother me to some degree, then you know, here here's me laying it out. It does bother me. It's still isn't always fun and they're really good days and they're really bad days but i had to leave the shire because of a lot of different factors and ultimately this is a part of my journey because i had to come here to work and i also had to encounter a lot of personal shit here because the the, the farther i got from home the easier it was for me to address certain things so I am in the stage of my life where I have left the Shire, I've left the familiar, despite the fact that, you know, it, it was a choice I made. I'm glad I made it, but it was a hard choice to make. And uh, now I'm on the journey, encountering a lot of obstacles, some personal, some interior, some exterior, but they're obstacles nonetheless that I know I'm going to slay, or at least I hope to God I do. But um, that that is often the overlooked part of the hero's journey, the, the, the leaving the familiar, that place between where the hero is at the beginning and where the hero is actively fighting, actively confronting the conflict or the antagonist. And I, I think that is, that is the biggest problem for people. And there's, there is again, wow, energy saver does the beep four times. Anyway, um, that is the difference between the people that go on and slay dragons and the people who end up getting eaten by dragons. I'm not saying that if you immediately leave the Shire, the outcome is guaranteed that you're going to win. In the in the Rites of Passage and Trials episode I talked about when I tried to do the Honor Guard at uh, Marin Military Institute. And I thought that was going to be my big thing, but ultimately I failed at that. I had to, I had to fail at that. I had to fail at that, or else the bigger journey that I was on would have failed. I had to take it on the nose. And then the hero's journey that happens. The hero doesn't immediately win every battle. Sometimes the hero loses, and that's part of it. What happens to the hero in a date of steep of, of a deep personal conflict when a mentor dies, when a friend dies, when the hero fails at something? And all, all hope seems lost. 
the hero's choice to fall on their shield or to go home is the difference. To go on and to slay the dragon or to go back to the familiar, which sometimes isn't even there anymore, and die a coward. You may fail, but you may win. And irregardless, the choice has to be yours at the end of the day to leave in the first place. No one can ever look down on somebody that didn't make a bold step, that didn't do hard, you know, scary things courageously. We don't look down on those people even when they lose if they at least tried. We do look down upon the people that never left the Shire. Nick Freitas, um, my friend Nick, former Green Beret, he, he said something to me that has always stuck with me. It's this idea that courage is a universal language. He's fought in Iraq. He's been to like every country known to man, trained of some of the most dangerous people on earth. He may not have always shared similar faith, ideas about the world, language of people, but what he always said was, everywhere I go, courage is a universal language and is universally respected. Leaving the familiar, whether it's a big deal or a small deal, regardless as to what it is, when you actively do that, it is an act of courage. And it's necessary in every hero's journey. That's where I'm going to leave you. Aches and pains and everything else. I'm proud of it because it's proof. You know, um, at the beginning of the year, I had COVID and I was uh, quarantining at a friend's house and I had so much stuff going on. I had to cancel and stop some things, but I couldn't just stop doing the podcast. Uh, I had to kind of figure things out. So Brian Nichols, you probably remember him. You know, you probably know him too from the Brian Nichols show. He subbed in for On the Run for a whole week, and I still had to do second print comics. So what I did was I literally ordered a microphone and headsets and everything else, and it was an episode of second print comics called What If, because we were talking about what if issues. And then we made a joke about what if Remso got COVID. And a week later, I'm on another friend's show, and they're asking me how I'm recovering and stuff. And, you know, they sent a tweet out asking – uh, you know, for people to send me like positive thoughts like that and, you know, well, well-meaning messages. And I sent out a message saying, Hey, you know, it's kind of rough. I'm not doing great right now, but I'm getting through it. And I remember all the messages you all sent me. I, I remember all of them. I was very thankful. And that fucking alcoholic, uh, Jeffrey Tucker, um, that, that sleazy alcoholic went ahead and tweeted out, you know, real men don't talk about, uh, their, um, you know, the thing, you know, they don't talk about sickness. They don't talk about injuries. They don't bring attention to the, to those weaknesses. And it's like, fuck off, man. Like, fuck off. Um, I'm not using it to draw pity or anything else, but you know, in this case, like, you know, some people who, who talk about that, who talk about their disabilities, who talk about things like that, they point at it from a point of, I can never overcome these. I need pity. You have to change how you act around me because of this. And I'm not fucking act, asking anyone to tolerate shit or anything else. When I talk about these things, especially now, I'm not doing it to draw woe with me. I'm proud of it. I'm giving you a real understanding that I'm not just a motherfucker that talks about this stuff. I'm a motherfucker who does this stuff. And I talk about it. There's the beep. I talk about it from a point of fucking personal pride. Because 
I can't talk about why you should leave the Shire if I'm not leaving the fucking Shire myself. And I want you to know that when you, Frodo, have the ring and you're about to go to fucking Mordor, I'm your fucking Samwise Gamgee going there fucking with you. Regardless of where you are in your life, what you're doing, whether it's a personal journey, whether it's a professional journey, I'm fucking with it. I'm fucking with you on that journey because I know you're on that journey with me. Leave the Shire, leave the familiar, face the hero's journey, and slay fucking dragons. Thank you all. Let's go ahead and keep the conversation going on Twitter. Follow me at HeyRemzo. Please, if you haven't already, leave a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. And let's keep talking. Where are you in your journey? Where is the familiar? How have you have you left the Shire yet? How are you planning on doing that? And what are the dragons you're facing? Be safe, be good. Good night, everyone.